The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe for this Tuesday, the 30th of May in London. Coming up today... Making default not the default. Joe Biden and Kevin McCarthy lobby hardliners to pass their debt ceiling deal. Storing up problems, Britain's shops see yet another price rise peak. Spain's snap poll, Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez calls an early election after heavy regional losses. Johnson's document drama, WPP, chips in and that's a wrap on plastic. Those are the stories we're looking at in today's papers and I'm Leanne Gerrans. Plus, ruling the charts, reports that Queen's music back catalogue could sell for a billion dollars. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning, I'm Stephen Carroll. And I'm Caroline Hepke. Here are the stories that we're following today. In the United States, leaders from across the political divide say they're optimistic about passing the debt ceiling deal before a default. US President Joe Biden told reporters he's confident that legislators will approve the bill before the June 5th deadline. I feel very good about it. I spoke to a number of the members. I spoke to McConnell. I spoke to uh, a whole bunch of people. And it feels good. We'll see when the vote starts. Both the President and Republican House Speaker Kevin McCarthy are hailing the deal as a win for their separate parties. If approved, it will fund US government fund the US government until after the 2024 election. Voting on the deal is expected to start tomorrow. Now, here in the UK, shop price inflation has reached its fastest pace for at least 18 years. But new figures for the month of May show that the rate of food price growth marginally eased. Bloomberg's Ewan Potts reports. According to the British Retail Consortium, prices in stores rose by 9% in the year to May, up from the 8.8% recorded in April. Food inflation eased slightly in May, but prices were still 15.4% higher than a year ago. The slowing of food price rises was driven by lower energy and commodity costs, which fed through to lower prices on staples including butter, milk, fruit and fish. The Chancellor Jeremy Hunt has been holding meetings with food manufacturers to discuss soaring prices and to ask businesses to soften the blow for consumers. The government and the BOE will be concerned that inflation is becoming entrenched in the UK economy. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Spain's Prime Minister Pedro Sánchez has called a snap election for July. The move comes just hours after the Socialist Party leader learned the full extent of his party's losses in regional elections. Here he is announcing the move, speaking via translator. 
Although yesterday's elections had a municipal and regional reach, the direction and message of the vote goes further. So as Prime Minister and also General Secretary of the Socialist Party, I recognise the results and I think it necessary to give a response and put under the scrutiny of the people's vote our democratic mandate. Sanchez's opponents will have less than two months to prepare and campaign for the July 23rd election, which had been expected to take place in December. As Recep Tayyip Erdogan secured a record-breaking third term as Turkey's president, the country's currency also hit a record low. The lira's move to 2010 against the US dollar came after the returning leader declared a new era has begun. According to the election's provisional results, our nation has served the duty of president for another five years to us. The winner is Turkey. The winner is our very nation with all of its sections. The winner is our democracy. The president has a grim entry with Turkey facing high inflation, low interest rates and no net foreign reserves. Morgan Stanley's analysts are warning that it may slide even further. The Turkish lira is expected or predicted to uh, drop 29% by the end of the year. Elon Musk is expected to visit China this week for the first time in three years. Sources tell Bloomberg the Tesla CEO is expected to meet senior officials and visit the electric car maker's Shanghai factory. The Shanghai plant accounts for more than half its global production, making roughly half a rather roughly a million cars a year. Okay, those are a few of our top stories for you this morning. Um, on a lighter note. Um, Reports that the back catalogue of Queen could be sold for more than a billion dollars. It's kind of an eye-watering sum because even John Legend, Bob Dylan, Stevie Nicks, Neil, none of them made that, that amount kind of, of money. money. I mean, when you start looking at the list of hits, it's pretty long, right? Yeah. So I guess it's a, a rather large back catalogue and also one that, you know, thanks to the film has managed to kind of resurge in popularity uh, recently as well. But an eye-watering figure. Interesting to see yet another one of these big deals happening in the record industry. Yeah, apparently it's huge. I mean, CNN is, has been reporting um, that talks are well underway for Universal Music Group to acquire the uh, catalogue actually from Disney Music Group and then the Times quotes Barry Mazarski from Citrine Cooperman which is a business consultancy talking about just all the different funds that are actually interested in in music now he talks about 50 funds operational trying to execute deals in this space so yeah music big business yeah look it's obviously there's there's buyers out there because I think there's money to be made off those back catalogues so the oldies are the goodies, Caroline. <laughs> I'm so sad we couldn't play the music. That's the problem. <laughs> you can sing along if you want. Uh, I, won't, I won't bore you this Let's morning with that. Bear our listeners that and talk more about the latest on the debt ceiling agreement in the United States. The House Rules Committee will examine a deal later before a vote. Markets will get their say too, with a flood of T bill auctions set to be held uh, in the coming days and weeks as well. Bloomberg Senior Editor Bill Ferries joins us now for more on this story. Uh, Bill, great to have you with us. What is the then the latest in terms of securing support from lawmakers for this deal. Well, thanks for having me. We know uh, both President Biden and uh, and Kevin McCarthy on the Republican side have uh, been lobbying their supporters, their members in Congress uh, to vote for this. I mean, obviously, the the clock is ticking. June 5th is uh, is next week. And uh, and there's not really a lot of room for second chances or rewrites at this point. So we could have a vote as soon as Wednesday in the House and then it would move to the Senate. Um, But there is, you know, there there is some arm twisting going on to make sure that um, 
the people who may be on the fence or maybe haven't commented publicly about it uh, get on board and, and support the agreement uh, and don't go to the other side. I think what you've seen so far, there, there are very vocal members uh, on both to the left of President Biden and to the right of Kevin McCarthy um, who are opposed to this deal. That's not such a huge surprise. This was never going to be a unanimous agreement. There are Republican members of, uh, of Congress who have, in their political careers, never voted once to increase the debt ceiling, regardless of who's, who was in power. So there was always going to be opposition. I, I think both sides, uh, Biden and McCarthy, want to make sure that opposition doesn't get to some sort of a critical mass. Okay. Who are the key names to watch? Well, I think on the Democratic side, you're, we're really still waiting for the Democratic leader, Hakeem Jeffries, to say anything in public about this agreement. Uh, he's been noticeably quiet so far. Um, even as, as a leader, he would, he would have to try to bridge the divide between maybe uh, the more progressive members who uh, are really upset about some of the things the president negotiated in this, uh, and then maybe the kind of more middle-of-the-road Democrats who are ready to get a debt deal and move on. Um, so the question is, is that what he's waiting to, you know, is that why he's waiting to go public? Or um, does he have some more immediate concerns of his own that might make it harder to get this on the floor uh, quickly? So that's one big question. I think on the Republican side, it's really kind of the numbers. There's uh, you have a lot of Freedom Caucus members who uh, have long been opposed uh, who, and who say the president uh, that the president got 90 percent of what he wanted and, and Republicans only got 10 percent. I think what Kevin McCarthy is banking on are uh, people like Jim Jordan, someone who supported his candidacy to be leader, but who uh, also has close ties to the conservative wing of the Republican Party. And he has been on board with this deal. Uh, he said it's a it, it's a first step towards reigning in government spending. Um, so I think as long as you have people like that staying on board on the House side, you're good. I think the Senate will be its own battle. And over there, you can have a single member uh, way in to slow things down. What's the timetable that we should be watching out for now in the coming days? I think the first one is Wednesday and whether the House really does move towards a vote either uh, probably late in the day after a lot of debate uh, or if it you know slips into Thursday, that's probably okay. If they can't get to a vote by, by some point on Thursday, you're going to start wondering about the broader timetable. Um, because uh, you can have someone on the Senate side slow things down. Uh, June 5th is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's Tuesday next week. Um, so things will start to get extremely tight because uh, in the Senate, uh, you get to you get to debate uh, as a senator. You can you can often set the terms of how long you want to speak for. So that can really uh, that can really slow things down. Yeah, June fifth, June fifth, Monday. But yes, still very close. I think right. is the the key the key sentiment there as well. Um, from the market's point of view, you know, there's going to be a flood of T bill sales coming as the treasury seeks to replenish its cash, cash supply in the coming months. What should we be watching out for on that front? Well, I think we're, the first people are going to be very curious about the uh, the pace of those sales. I mean, we saw the Treasury's cash balance fall below $40 billion. That was a level we haven't seen in, I think, six or seven years. 
Uh, so they will be looking to rebuild that quickly. It was just for comparison uh, at about a trillion dollars just over a year ago. So there's potentially a lot of room to build. Um, how much liquidity does this suck out of the U.S. financial system? What does this do to banks that have been uh, that have you know a little been some of those banks that have been uh, on unsteady ground since uh, the Silicon Valley Bank crisis? Uh, does this? Do they see outflows um, from this decision by the Fed to sell T-bills? What does that mean? And I just step back from the whole thing. When you look at the debt deal, if it passes, uh, the big two of the big questions will be: uh, Does this tip the U.S. into a recession? Um, if the U.S. ends up in a recession after this passes, uh, does this keep it down there for longer? And what does that mean for you know average households? And uh, and the interest rates they pay on on their loans and um, and their borrowing. So those th- I think those are going to be the two biggest questions for the economy going forward. Yeah, absolutely pivotal, Bill. Thank you so much for your time this morning, Bloomberg senior editor Bill Ferry is there joining us on the debt ceiling agreement and what's next. Up next, Johnson's document drama WPP chips in, and that's a wrap on plastic. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Now, the paper review on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The news you need to know from today's papers. And joining us for more is Bloomberg's Leanne Guerin, starting with the Financial Times headline, Cabinet in standoff with COVID inquiry over Boris Johnson messages. Good morning, Leanne. Caroline, good morning to you. Yes, so Boris Johnson has until this afternoon to submit those unredacted diary entries and WhatsApp messages to the COVID inquiry. Now, the government insists it's provided all relevant material, and that was when that request was made by the chair of the inquiry, Lady Heather Hallett. Yesterday, the government office did resist all demands to hand over information it called unambiguously irrelevant to the inquiry. Pretty strong words there by cabinet office. It suggests that this would set a really harmful precedent and actually be detrimental to the privacy of the former Prime Minister Boris Johnson. So they are strongly resisting doing this. However, last week, Hallett highlighted that some areas of correspondence were, in her opinion, completely relevant to the investigation and the Mm. inquiry. She marked out that some of these include talks between the former Prime Minister and aides about the London Metropolitan police's enforcement of COVID regulations and that was after the murder of Sarah Everard in 2021. Now the SPAC could really overshadow the start of the COVID inquiry later in June. It starts on the 13th but the Guardian today is actually reporting something they saying the Cabinet Office could take unprecedented action to prevent Boris Johnson's diaries and WhatsApp messages being handed over to the official COVID inquiry. They would have to right? 
right, because as Lady Hallett has pointed out, I mean, she is a former Court of Appeal judge who actually Johnson appointed himself. This idea of unambiguously irrelevant, she, her inquiry, and she has the legal power to decide that. And she's saying that cabinet cabinet office does not so this is a kind of legal tussle and just how far cabinet office are prepared to go which is quite fascinating no absolutely and if you know we hear from the guardian that this could happen it would be absolutely unprecedented for this to go ahead as you've just said caroline but also there's two sides to the story lady heather hallett thinks that this is relevant material in the investigation Mm. you know it's related to checkers and visitors that went to see the Prime Minister there during the lockdowns and COVID. But the other side of the argument is once again Johnson's privacy out in the open. So where do we draw the line? We'll all know what happens this afternoon at about 4pm. Okay, let's go to the Times next, Leanne. WPP's NVIDIA deal to change advertising by embracing AI. Yeah, this is actually so interesting because we know AI just seems to be everywhere at the moment, exploding as we read every article about what's going to happen. Now, the world's biggest advertising agency, which is, of course, UK-based, that's WPP, is teaming up with NVIDIA, and that's, of course, the American chip company. Now, why are they joining forces? It's to develop a platform that will create automated digital adverts using artificial intelligence. Now, this sounds pretty incredible. WPP says integrating these 3D tools with generative AI will allow its creative teams to just um, produce all this commercial content, Mm. such as images and videos, at this incredible speed. So basically, they will outline a platform, put it all to AI and the next minute we'll have all these oh, amazing s- adverts. I've seen some um, AI beer mm. commercials and other people sort of experimenting. I mean, they look weird, frankly, at the yes, moment. Yes, of course. But um, you can imagine that in three or six or 12 months' time, they'll probably, you know, look pretty credible. Um, just lastly, the Guardian story around Mars bar wrappers being changed for paper. There's actually a serious undertone to this. Of course, it's all about sustainability initiatives right now and everyone's looking for environmentally friendly alternatives to the plastic that we do use for lots of things like crisps, chocolate bars, Mars bar, current plastic wrappers are not recyclable as is the case with several other kinds of packaging. So now we're going to get paper packaging on Mars bars and it's going to be trialled in various Tesco supermarkets. So traditional wrapping looks like it's no longer happening. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, A 1,000 global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, 
influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.